Hello there, you're listening to Context, giving you a biblical perspective on issues of race, inequality, gender, abortion, culture, and so much more with Temba Lamini. I would like to pose the question, how do we gain the edge without the edge harming others? We've mostly all heard people say, preach the gospel, use words only if necessary. Or on the other hand, perhaps you have seen others live as if when preaching the gospel, only words are necessary. Think about your local community. Isn't it true that when we serve or think about ways of serving in the community, we feel the tension between the choice of giving people food, clothing, shelter, or sharing the good news of the gospel. In other words, choosing between meeting their spiritual or physical needs. Needs. Is handing out food at a soup kitchen helping to spread the gospel? Even if we never utter the name of Jesus, if I share the good news of Jesus, haven't I given already? Hello and welcome to another edition of Context. Thank you so much for tuning in. If this is your first time here, thank you for taking time out to join us. Many times it seems that when faced with tension, we simply choose a side, either focusing just on helping people or just on telling people about Jesus. Jesus integrated both positions in handling this tension. We don't just have the red letters or the words he spoke in our Bible. We also have what he did. Both his words and actions were important in ushering the kingdom of God. In fact, if there ever was a person who could get away with doing only one of these, it would have been Jesus. And yet he gave us a different example. He showed us that we are bold to live and speak the gospel. And in doing so, we will carry the message of God's redeeming love into the world. Today, we continue our discussion with TED Talk speaker Torbila Chittenden, a community builder and a purpose pioneer with a passionate interest in social and creative entrepreneurship, as well as non-profit organizations, presently CEO of Makers Valley Partnership. The key question we answer is, how do we go about meeting the physical needs of others through the lens of the work she's doing? Take a listen to a snippet of her TED Talk and let's dive into the discussion. I would like to pose the question, how do we gain the edge without the edge harming others? When we engage in the topic of advancing as a society through technology, we need to ensure that no one is left behind. We need to ensure that the direction we're going in has been co-created and not just chosen by a few. We need to make sure that we look at the far-off impacts and not just the short-term gains. Leaving no one behind makes sure that there is an inclusive approach on the way forward. It means slowing down to ensure that there is a quality in the design of the technology and apps of tomorrow. And we cannot pretend that technology will solve all our problems when the people who are facing the problems are not included in its evolution. Power. Gaining the age without the age harming others. Do you want to take us through just that clip? You know, what are you, what are you alluding to? Sure. So, yeah, that talk was specifically around technology, but I think it can be, yeah, the lessons can be used in such a, a more broader context as well. So, essentially, we are seeing big tech just completely rise, these giants rising and taking over industry. Right. And what's um, what's worrying about it is that there are a handful of these big tech giants sure. that are monopolizing and gaining so much power and influence. And 
are they allowing space for smaller players to have a space and to have um, yeah industry uh, well access to market right. and potentially actually not because what they do specifically Facebook and these uh, big brands as soon as a small brand has an innovation or a new kind of app or development they're very quick to buy that out and it becomes theirs and so what's interesting is that how do we make sure that we are really mindful of what these big tech giants are doing. Right. How do we make sure that we are they are transparent, that we can see how their processes are being regulated because they are really dictating our public spaces. Mm -hmm. They're dictating our media. They're dictating people's behaviors. They're dictating how we receive and perceive information. So they are really influencing humanity in a, is a really important way. And so it's so important for us to slow down and for these tech giants to slow down and really think about the consequences. So there's um, on Netflix, there's a, a documentary called The Social Dilemma, and there's lots of of talk and articles around what is big tech doing and how right. can they think differently. Um, and it's not that they might not have a, a, you know, they're not having evil intentions from the beginning. Mm. A lot of the time, like the like button on Facebook mm. was mm. created with the best of intentions. Right. Little did we know 10 years later, it'd be a reason for social anxiety and depression and suicide amongst youth. And so it's things like that, for example, that even if there is a good intention, have we really stopped to pause and think about the negative impacts? Mm, right. And also, have we stopped and included more people around the table to think about those impacts? Mm. We've seen a lot of brands like, um, you know, Hair Conversations, I think it was Clicks a couple of years ago, um, putting out adverts of what seemed to be to that brand manager an okay hair advert to put right. out mm. that was completely dismissing what black hair stands for and what it means. Mm. And mm. so because they didn't have enough people in the room looking at that ad, assessing it, acknowledging what kind of hurt could take place, right. it went out. Mm. And so it's important for business to understand that you have to have different perspectives at the table. You have to have representative thought mm. and background and culture <laughs> and identities represented once you are making a decision to release something. And this is what we mean by if you want to gain the edge, gain it without harming others. Right. And I think this goes on a very basic community level. So it can be high up at these big tech giants or corporates, but it can even be at the local level at a church or at a community. And it's something that we are practicing in the Makers Valley community. We don't get it right all the time, but it's something that we, we really are intentional about is that if we are making decisions about this park, this public park mm. that everyone has access to and everyone should have access to, are we engaging with them in terms of the renovations and the upgrades for it? Or are we just making decisions on what we believe would be most suitable for those those people? Mm -hmm. And so that's what we really mean by how do we make sure that we are slower? It is a slower process. It is slower to engage with people. Mm -hmm. It's sometimes tedious to have conversation after conversation and making sure you get all this perspective. But in terms of the long off impact, it's 
so, so critical. And so, so often we have people rushing to market, especially because our economy is driven that way. Mm. The first to market, it's about instant gratification. It's about, you know, getting there quickest because we know that there's competition. Mm. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing all the time, but it, it does make us too quick sometimes to make decisions and release things that have not had a proper process behind it. Mm. Um, yeah, and I just think that is that is something that we can really take into the way that we live as individuals as well, is that am, am I really thinking about everyone that is representative of South Africa in this decision that I'm making, in the way that I consume in my household, in the, the choices that I make in terms of bringing up my children, in the way that I educate them? Are we thinking about our broader society or are we just thinking of ourselves? Sure. Yeah, and a, a powerful point. I mean, in fact, you know, thinking about ourselves, I think, you know, knowing that we are sinful and we are fallen, uh, generally, I think we all degenerate to self-interest and sometimes very short-sighted outlook on life. Part of me, from a, as an accounting professional, you know, it's like I, some things I think, oh, it sounds good it sounds poetic but is it real is it practical mm. or what does it say to the bottom line in a sense of what does it speak to in terms of profit and normally profits is the language we speak and ultimately when we talk about sustainability we talk about the short term to medium term profits and uh, it, not so often do we look at the long term ramifications of stuff and it just makes me think, like, for example, in your talk, you mentioned your Makers Valley community, how so many were left behind in, in a lot of things that they couldn't trade, they couldn't work and mm -hmm. so on. And so ultimately, by exacerbating the big divide, big economic and slash racial divide that we're experiencing in South Africa. And based on your words, I'm reminded of the... African proverb which says for you to go fast go alone mm. but if you want to go far let's go together you know and it may seem like in the short term that it's slowing you down but ultimately in the long term that's what you need for a thriving and flourishing South Africa or world if you may call it that the world that is really glorifying God by making sure that the kingdom principles are brought to bear and I think there is no other more clearer illustration or lived experience of that than last year's looting for instance where we realized i think very few people unless you lived under a rock somewhere where we realized that what so many people have worked so hard for can be destroyed within an instant mm -hmm. if the whole entire nation or in fact let me say this if the people who are who are part of us as a society and the majority is left behind there comes a point where they no longer have faith in the economy that we work so hard for that they say you know what if you say you you destroyed a bar a shop and the guy says well i wasn't going to the shop to begin with i didn't even afford anything in there so i wasn't enjoying it if you say we destroyed the the, the nature reserves. I can't afford the fee to get in there and so on and so on. And so the list goes on. And so and also the rift or the anger, the build up of mm. frustration and the lack of belonging in a society where you're like, okay, this society is built for a few and we know South Africa is built for a few. Albeit now we have 
little raisins on a batch of flour. I like to use a, that, that, that illustration of black people also being there and also perpetuating that kind of elitist thought mm. or thinking that is in the short term, it appears that you're helping people. But in the long term, you are actually hamstringing our capacity to be sustainable as an economy, sustainable as a society, sustainably even on racial dynamics. Because the sad reality, unlike every other part of the world where you find inequality in South Africa, it's race-based inequality, which inadvertently or should I say by design always infuses a racial edge to the topic and the discussions around inequality, the poor versus the rich. I thought that was quite helpful, you know, when you're mentioning mm. that we need to make sure we don't leave other people behind. But maybe you can help us with some of the practical ways that that can be done and also citing some of the things that you guys are doing in Makers Valley. Yeah, sure. The, the looting is something that was also fresh on my mind because... And, you know, we don't know exactly the reasons behind every single thing that happened in our community. Right. But what was interesting is that even though there were various businesses that were impacted by co uh, by the looting um, that were burned or whatever happened that were looted specifically, Victoria Yards, um, where we work, that is predominantly, you know, it's, it's a wealthy in terms of tenants, in terms of the cost of the products. Right. Um, but we are based there because of the property owner, Brian Green, knowing that he can't just think commercially about this development. Yeah. How does he think about, again, long lasting impact and know that there's actual social value? So you think about the commercial value. What is the social value sure. that we can create? And Victoria Yards was not looted. It wasn't impacted by the wow. looting, even though surrounding businesses were. And so for me, even though, it's, I mean, we can't 100% prove it, but I do definitely think it's because of the work that we're doing, sure. because of the way that we're engaging with the community, because they feel that it, they're part there, of it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They're not um, just outsiders. And I'm not saying we, we're far from perfect. <laughs> There's many flaws, but it's, it's because we acknowledge those flaws and we're engaging with the community on those flaws and saying, how can we do this better what you know where are the things that we're going wrong and so that's why people get frustrated and especially if it's CSI and corporates because they want to have the plan they they want to say this is the money we're going to allocate to to charity or allocate to social investment and we're going to do it to education but they don't actually spend the time thinking about how can this actually create value? Mm-hmm. How can this create social value? How can we not just be in our offices, but engage in the place that we are creating this value? Sure. Because then it becomes a we, not a us them thing. Um, and as long as charity is us and them, it's never gonna be sustainable. We're sure. never gonna see people come out of poverty that the way we, the way that we want them to. Sure. If we can see people living in, in spaces like this as our brothers and sisters, and that we are moving together mm. towards some type of liberation in terms of the economic status, that then makes it much more sustainable. And it's longer, like I mentioned, but it is, um, sustainable because we're asking for that engagement sure. and I find corporates and and businesses are hesitant to allow communities to share and be vocal in terms of what they need sure. often that what they need is 
describe to them sure. <laughs> and we always say in the makers valley you are the experts you are the ones that are living this yeah. this social issue or this injustice every single day you know what it what it feels like what it means more than that person sitting in the office and so what about getting your voice in terms of how we can kind come up with solutions and that's been our approach at makers valley it's very hard to describe it to corporates who are saying, what is what is your impact and what, how do you do it? And like, yeah, give us the ABC. Sure. It's not that. And we're trying to say it's we intentionally not that. Mm-hmm. We want to engage the community to come up with solutions themselves. And the best sure. way that we've been doing that is through social enterprise development. But we do many things. So when we go to our community and engage, we're saying, that social enterprise development can create, you know, generates income, but at the same time, it's addressing a social issue that you, as a community resident, believe is the most pertinent. Mm -hmm. So how can we help you develop a social enterprise that is going to alleviate hunger or it's going to address gender-based violence, but you're also going to generate income through the product that you sell, whatever it may be. So obviously social enterprise in South Africa is quite new. I mean, it's not new, but it it hasn't been legalized specifically. We have for-profit and non-profit, and that polarization itself is some of the problems that we have and so how do we have because every single business i believe no matter what you are we can see unilever for example now really starting to think about their organization in more sustainable ways and so how does every single business engage differently and so from a grassroots level it's the same conversation how do we as a community bring businesses about that are going to address some of the social issues that we have. And so we do that through an incubator. But what's great about that is that people then feel that they are the solution. They're not just volunteering for some NGO. They're not just beneficiaries from this NGO. They are the ones that are making the change. And that creates a community that's much more invested. They want to to be part of the change. They want to make sure that they are they're attending meetings, they're participating. We have active participation because people are invested. When people are just volunteers, they're there for a short while and then they find something else and they you know, find a job or they have to leave. And what we're trying to also reduce is our young talent from our community looking for greener pastures. Right. But if they're building a social enterprise in their community that they're invested in, they're more likely to stay and they're more likely to then be part of the change. And so we just see ourselves as enablers. We are really not trying to be the saviors of our community. We just want to empower our community and enable our community to be able to get where they want to be. Um, And although we focus on social enterprise development and because we see that as a most sustainable way for change Mm. we do have to also look at how can that person then get to that point Mm. because if you are starving or if you are um, a victim of gender-based violence very hard for you to get to that stage Mm. of Mm. i'm an entrepreneur Um, and so we do other programs like digital literacy just showcasing how do you use and navigate a computer uh, and it's a certified course and accredited that they get certification at the end of the day Mm -hmm. there's um, uh, help desks in terms of vaccination registration because a community that doesn't have wi-fi or data and it's very expensive how are you going to you know access that platform Mm. again which we feel is a complete 
y'all, like, mess up because the people that are supposed to be getting vaccinated don't have the means to even register. Sure. Um, we have STEAM clubs. We have lots of different programs, women's circles, uh, community kitchens. But all of these are trying to address the issues that are barriers to entry for entrepreneurs. Mm, mm. And we know that you can't become an entrepreneur with, with all these challenges that you're facing. So we do a multitude of things. And in terms of practical ways that people can help is, is by mentorship, mm. by long-term mentorship. We don't, even our incubator is, it's actually 12 months, which is very different to most incubators in South Africa because we know that it's a long-term journey, mm. that even mm. once the business is registered and people have their idea and they start to implement it, how do we help them scale their business? How do we help them navigate the business challenges that they're going to face in the long term? Mm. And that's when things like if you've never been in a boardroom before and you've never known how to um, address somebody that is way wealthier than you, sure. like little things like that that are not necessarily in a program, mm. you need a person or a mentor to help you navigate that and to speak to. Mm. And so we're looking for long-term members, uh, mentors, sorry, to engage with our community and the, and the small grassroots organizations that are starting to emerge. We also are always looking for operating costs to be covered. So whether that be Wi-Fi, partners to assist with Wi-Fi or electricity, our community kitchens are cooking with gas or gas partners, whatever types of partners we can have on board to assist with the types of programs that we have, but the operating costs thereof are, the, I think, the most challenging to get funding for. And yeah, programs, we, if people are passionate about, you know, ECD development or passionate about teaching kids how to read or passionate about um, dance and mm. you want to become a dance teacher in this community, there's so many different ways because we believe that change is holistic. Yes, our focus is social enterprise development. Um, that's kind of like the arrow at the head, but we don't... Um, we see that there's so many other things that need to be addressed mm, in mm. order for that to happen. And so there's a range of ways that people can get involved. And maybe I can send you like a little link mm. as a volunteer link um, that people can um, complete and fill in and see the different pillars that we have that they could get involved in. Mm. Yeah, and thank you so much. And if you're like me and you're wondering what is ECD, it's it's early childhood development. De development. Yeah, Sorry. and yeah, thank you so much, uh, Tobile, for joining us today. We we thoroughly enjoyed having you. We've learned so much, and I think we are empowered to go and help or get our hands dirty and put our shoulders to the wheel and be able to to not get overwhelmed. And I think that's one of the things that you say, and I'll put a link to your talk where you mention the fact that there's a difference between being overwhelmed and paralyzed. And I think the reality is the challenges are overwhelming, but we need not be paralyzed, you know, especially when we have organizations like yourself that are doing something that if there's somebody listening out there, you don't know where to start, a good place to start is to be in contact with you guys and, mm. and find out how they can they can help. And I think what we'll do, we'll definitely put the link in the description and we'll also put the link to the TED Talk in the description and any fi final parting shots. Well, I wanted to thank, thank you for these types of conversations because it's this, exactly this, that we are able to understand each other better, that mm. we're able to realize that we don't have all the answers sure. and that it's actually okay to be vulnerable. I think we need 
people to be more vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, so people might be struggling to be empathetic because they don't sure. understand or have not heard where this person may be coming from. Mm-hmm. And so I encourage more people to share their stories. Just open your hearts sure. and, and be vulnerable and be honest about what you're navigating. And I think we, you know, we have everyone speaking about cancel culture. Sure. Um, and I'm really also against that. So mm-hmm. as much as I you know, I expect corporates and individuals and people to change and see differently. Sure. I do think we'll just have a never-ending cycle of bullying mm. if we have this culture of, you know, if somebody hasn't seen things the way exactly the way that we have seen them, mm. to completely mm. oust them sure. and cancel them and and criticize them. So, how do we, even as victims, navigate a space? that is so complex but in a humble way Mm. and in Mm. a way that we know that god has already forgiven this person and how do we engage with them knowing that Mm. so Mm. it's about accountability but it's also about accountability and love and as christians specifically we really need to navigate with more love and intention with our words and with our actions Mm. and really Mm. helping people see the other side trying to humble ourselves in the process and remove our egos in that. Mm. And also just business owners, specifically Christian businesses. I really just want to encourage you to also really be intentional about your businesses because you, you know, it's not just about the fact that you are creating so much employment and opportunity, but how are you engaging with those people Mm. that you are employing? How are you making sure that you're realizing more of their story, not just the way that they pitch up to work, but their home story, where they come from, their context, their background. And I think as business owners can really make a profound impact and just in terms of the way that they run their businesses. So yeah, those are my parting words. Oh, power. (laughs) Thank you so much. That was, it is enriching. And you've just empowered us with context. And that's why we're here is to get context. And Mm. we realize the more we dive into these discussions, the more we realize how rich and how diverse and how complex this country is. And we cannot afford to have, like, as you say, cancel culture or just an assumption, you Mm. know, that, you know, I know something before I've actually actually engaged with it or or inspected or or, or learned from it. I think it does require us to walk with a whole lot more humility, understanding that this country is way more complex than we would like to admit. Thank you so much for empowering us with context and thank you to you listening. And with those words, I want to say to you, until next time. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Context. We pray that today's podcast helps you live your best life for God and that you're encouraged to invite others to do the same. If today's discussion was helpful to you, please take a moment to rate and review the podcast. In doing so, you will help others learn more about living for God in our context. If you would like to get in touch with us, please contact us on the details in the description because truly, context is everything.